Well, good morning, Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church. Welcome to our ongoing video presentations of church. And uh, we trust that this will be an experience for all of us to draw near to the Lord and to experience fellowship with one another virtually. I'd like to begin by reminding us of the words from Psalm 95, which says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. His hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Several themes in these verses. Joy, shout, Come before him with thanksgiving, music and song. Praise our God, for he is great and worthy to be worshipped. We have reason this morning to give special thanks and praise to God. I'll let uh, the next segment of our service explain just exactly what I mean by that. Hey, Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church. Pastor Tim here. First of all, I just want to say thank you for the great weekend we had last weekend. It was great to get to interact with many of you, both via the Zoom question and answer sessions and also via the drive-by greetings at the church. Our family had a wonderful time both getting to know you and also just experiencing more of Three Lakes. And so the good news for us is that we will get, we're looking forward to many more years of experiencing those things as I have officially accepted the call to be your next senior pastor. And so we are we're looking forward to what the future holds for our family, and I'm looking forward to what the future holds for Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church and what it will look like to partner with you in ministry as we seek to proclaim the gospel to Three Lakes and the surrounding areas and also to build one another up in a love and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so I can't wait to be with you and to be there and to minister to you and oh yeah, be together in person. Um, but in the meantime, I pray that you're doing well and yeah, looking forward to our future together. Bye. Well, that is such wonderful news for us. I'm sure all of us want to express our gratitude and appreciation to Eric Gustafson, our pastoral search committee, that has so diligent work to make this all happen for us, and I trust that we'll have occasion to do that soon. But I'd like to pause now and just thank God for this entire process and that uh, our, our mission has been accomplished in uh, finding the next man to come and lead our congregation. Lord God, we are grateful for how you have preserved us in our time of transition and how you have guided the search process. And now as we see the conclusion of the process and anticipate the beginning of Pastor Tim's new ministry among us, we indeed echo the words of this psalm. Come, let us worship and bow down let us extol ourselves before the God of our creation. Lord, we worship you today, we thank you today, and we praise you today with great thanksgiving in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning, church family. We're Wendy and Dave Whittingham, and we're so glad to be able to talk to you, finally. We've been coming to Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church now for 20 years plus, and we finally joined and became members about a year ago, a little more maybe. We really miss both the worship time and the messages on Sunday morning. And we especially miss our our uh, our, our small group time. So worship time and, and messages are just not quite the same on on uh, video as they are in person. As much as we know the time that everybody spends doing the, the online services on Sunday morning, it's just so much more at home when we're able to come in personally. We miss all of you very much and we're an anxious for church to open again. Hi! Proverbs 3, 5 is my verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I don't understand why this virus has been allowed. But what I do know is, is that God is working in this and that he has us all covered. We do not have to worry or be afraid. The Bible tells us over and over again that we need not fear. So don't. Hope to see you in person soon. Bye. Good morning, Church. My name is Dave Duell, and welcome. And my name is Paula Duell. We're missing our whole church family and thinking of you guys and looking forward to when things get back to normal. I have one little um, clip it from the Bible, Romans 5. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts. See you guys soon! Bye! Hi, we're the Ogrens, Dave and my wife Mary Alice, and we've been joined for the past two and a half months by our daughter Hannah, our son-in-law Bryant, and two of our grandkids, Wallace, who's age two, and I'm Stella. Stella, age four. Like everyone else, we really miss being at church uh, together with our church family. But at the same token, we appreciate all the technology that's been at our disposal. And there's some advantages to meeting this way. If you need to get a cup of coffee, just hit the pause button. Get your cup of coffee, come back. Start the sermon all over again, from wherever you left off from. We love having our kids here. In spite of the circumstances, it's been a great time for us and our family. We miss our church family, as I said, and our extended family, too. Sundays, we get to meet via technology and see Pastor uh, Scott and his message and the music. Our kids are members of First Evangelical Free Church in Minneapolis, so they're able to fellowship with their church members as well. Stella, do you have something you'd like to sing? Should we sing our song? You want to sing? 
Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But pray, pray, pray about everything. Very good. We again thank you guys for what you've been doing through all this for I all the members of the church. TV. My wife's still working full time at the accounting office. No, Hannah and Bryant are teleworking for their companies in Minneapolis. I was retired, but now I own my own daycare center. <laughs> it's Papa Dave's daycare center for four-year-olds and two-year-olds, and I love most every minute of it. <laughs> Hi, we're the Welches. I'm Josh. This is Sheena and uh, Ella and Emerson. Well, we miss you all so very much. Quarantine has been treating us very well. Um, we just want to say we love you. We're looking forward to seeing you all. We cannot wait to compare our crazy quarantine stories. Um, and just a friendly reminder to stay kind. Love you. Can you throw a kiss? Mwah! See you soon. <laughs> See you soon. Join with us now as our worship team leads us in some inspiring music this morning.
For our time of prayer this morning, I'd like to focus on Ephesians chapter 1. If you'd like to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 17, I'd like to pray through these verses, and then we'll pause and give you an opportunity to pray together in your homes. Please join with me in prayer. Lord, we keep asking you, as the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, as the glorious Father, may you give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. We join together, Lord, and pray that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened. Help us to have the mind of Christ and that our hearts might be open so that we may know the hope to which you have called us, that we may know the riches of your glorious inheritance which is enjoyed by your holy people that you've purchased for yourself. And that we, mow your, may, we may know your incomparably great power for those of us who believe. Overwhelm us, Lord, knowing that that power is the same as the mightiest strength that you exerted when you raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at your right hand in the heavenly realms. That power is ours that power that is above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come. Father, remind us that you place all things under the feet of Jesus and that you appointed him to be head over everything for the church. We are your body. We are the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And in so much as we understand your fullness in Christ, we too enjoy that same fullness. Father, we're just inspired and encouraged by these promises. Thank you, Lord, that we can claim and, and pray these prayers as our own, not only for ourselves and our families, but for one another and for our church. And now I'd like to encourage you to take a few moments in your homes and echo back these thoughts. Maybe pray for Pastor Tim and Vanessa. Pray for our church in the transition. Let's just thank God. This is a morning to celebrate. Let's thank God for his goodness and love to us.
And now, Lord, we thank you for the privilege we have to give. We're reminded, Lord, of how much you've given to us. And Lord, because we love you so much, we want to give back to you. I thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of those in our congregation. And Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to know that giving to the work of the ministry of the gospel is our opportunity to express worship to you and to partner with you in the gospel of Jesus. So Lord, bless those who give. Bless the gift as well. In Jesus' name, amen. As we turn to the word of God this morning, I begin with a personal story from my family. My sister and I are very close. Um, We've uh, had a great relationship for the many years in our home. Probably closer friends uh, since we've left the home and become adults. And one of the things that uh, is part of our relationship is a mutual understanding that we have differences of opinion when it comes to politics. I don't think we could be more diverse than we are in our political opinions. And uh, we've agreed, though, not to let that come between us. But every once in a while, we discuss and we get a, a comment here or a comment there about our differing perspectives of how our country is going together. But there's one thing that both of us agree wholeheartedly with. And that came from a comment that my sister made to me, probably, I think it was just like last week, when she said to me, she said, Hey, bro, you know one thing? I'm tired of the battle. And boy, did I ever agree with her on that. Both of us look at it differently, but both of us are tired of the battle. The reason I share that today is because in my series from Colossians, The passage for today describes another battle. It's a battle that can sometimes make us weary. It's a battle sometimes we want to just give up and not even take the time and the energy to fight it anymore. But listen to how the Apostle Paul describes this battle in chapter 3 of Colossians, beginning with verse 1. Here's what he says. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these things in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. 
Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Do you see the battle that the Apostle Paul is describing in these verses? The battle is the battle of believers with sin. The battle we all fight with being dragged down by the sinful nature. Verses 1 to 3 set the tone. He says, set your hearts, set your minds on things above, not on things below. Reminds us of our last series of messages on sensual indulgence. He says, put to death the deeds of the sinful nature. Rid yourselves of sinful behavior. Clothe yourselves instead with godliness and behaviors that glorify God and edify one another. Paul is getting into the weeds of the battle of Christian living in these verses. I suggest to you that every sincere Christian needs to face this battle. And I'm not going to suggest that Paul gives us five easy steps to winning the battle of sin. But I do want to apply his words to suggest a strategy that we can apply, an ongoing plan of action, an ongoing strategy for dealing with the battle that we face. It reminds us of the words in Colossians 2.13. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom, talking about rules, with their self-imposed worship, false humility, a harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any, they do not lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. I hope we've learned by now that just adding more rules is not the answer. Instead, it's improving and nurturing our relationship with Jesus. Verse 4 in this passage in chapter 3 says, Christ is our life. Christ is our life. And if we nurture a relationship with him where we are satisfied, where we are fulfilled, where we are full of joy, where we are walking in the spirit, we will be overcomers in our Christian walk. We might summarize it by saying this, the stronger that our relationship with Jesus grows, the weaker will be the grip of sensual indulgence. So let's look at how Paul in Colossians 3 outlines his strategy that we might have a stronger relationship with Jesus and that the grip of sin in our lives might become weaker and weaker and weaker. I suggest four words to think about in these 11 verses. The first word is new. The first word is new. Meditate on the truth that Jesus has made us new. Verse 1, we have been raised with Christ. It's something brand new. We've been raised from death to life, a brand new life that we enjoy. 
Again in chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, Paul has already written, In him you were circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. That's our conversion. That's the time when we became born again. Christ changed us. He circumcised us spiritually. We were buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through your faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the circumcision, uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. And he has forgiven us of our sins. See, that's what it means to be new. It tells us about our spiritual condition. Once we were spiritually dead, now we're spiritually alive. Once we were had no relationship with God, now we have a new relationship with God. Once we were alone, now we are in fellowship with a community of believers. We have a new life. Not only do we have a new life, but we have a new status. Verse 3, we died and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. Paul says we died. Well, I'm not dead. <laughs> You're not dead. What does he mean we died? Well, he's talking about not physical death, but spiritual death. The moment we trusted Jesus and became born again, the old life died, as did our old status before God died. That moment we were born again, God began to treat us differently. This phrase, we died, is a description of what the Bible calls justification, which has two sides of that one coin, justification. The first side is that we've been given forgiveness. We have been declared not guilty. The second side is we've been given the righteousness of Christ. We've been declared righteous. Even though we are guilty, God declares us not guilty because of Christ. Even though we are not righteous, God declares us righteous because we are in Christ. We have a new status. We have a new life, and then we have a new status, and then God tells us that we have a new destiny. We will appear with Christ in his glory, verse 4. Apart from Jesus, our destiny is condemnation. In Christ, our new destiny is a new home with him in the heavenly places. So we have this newness. But how does that help in our battle with sin? Well, we find out in verses 1 and 2, Paul says, meditate on that newness. Set your hearts on that newness. Set your minds on that newness, verses 1 and 2. Fix our attention. Tune in the dial. Program the channel. Meditate. We are new. We are brand new. We have a new life, a new status, and a new destiny. And as we meditate on newness, the grip of sin will be less on our lives. But that's not enough. So there's a second word, and I would suggest that word protect. Verse 5, eliminate anything that would harm what Jesus has made new. Paul says, put to death. Protect that new life. 
You've probably all gone into the Walmart parking lot and seen a brand new car parked way in the corner where there are no other cars. Why is that? Well, because the owner is trying to protect that new car from getting dinged in a parking lot. He takes steps to protect that investment. The more I understand and appreciate the newness I have in Christ, the more precious it is. Precious it is. The more I want to protect it from anything that might harm it. But there is a harsh reality. In this life, we can't we can't park our car on the edge of the of the parking lot. We're in the middle of the fray, and in spite of the newness we experience in Christ, there are remnants of the old. In our lives, there's no delete button in this new life we have. So when the old pops up, Paul tells us what to do to protect our new life from the old that might pop up and want to ding our newness. In verse 5, he says, put to death whatever is of the old self. They're listed in verse 5. Put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Put them to death. The stuff, the things that the old stuff used to do. It's like acid rain on our new car. It's like hail on our new car. God says, put it to death so that you can protect this newness that we have in our lives. Verse 8, he says, rid yourselves of these things. And then he lists some of the real biggies in verse 8. He says, rid yourselves of anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Don't lie to each other. Protect what is new. Well, that's easy to say, Scott, so how do you do it? Well, over the years of my walking with Christ, I've discovered four things to do. One, how do you put to death the deeds of that which is old? How do I protect my new life? One, hate sinful deeds. Hate them. We only get serious about defeating sin if we're repulsed by it. And we're only repulsed by it if we get angry about it. If we get angry about what it does to us, And if we get angry about what it did to Jesus, did you know that the sins that we commit increase the pain on the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross? He suffers on the cross because of what we do that's sinful. Now that's something to get angry about. That's something to learn to hate. See, all too often we approach sin with this idea. Well, I'm okay. God will forgive me. Well, he will. But do we really get in touch with the harm it does to us, to those we love, to the harm it did to Jesus? Actually, the harm it still does. God's grieved when we sin. Every time we participate in sin, we are affirming that which caused pain to what Jesus experienced on the cross. Think about your loved ones. How often does 
alcoholism or gambling take food off the table of children who are depending on us? How often has immorality caused our beloved husband or our beloved wife deep and intense pain and feeling of betrayal? I would suggest slow down and examine your heart and learn to despise the sin that causes such terrible pain. Now, of course, there's forgiveness. But isn't it better to avoid it in the first place? We want to protect that which is new. Hate sin. Second, starve it. This is an easy concept to understand, but hard to apply. The reason is because we think we can dabble in just a little bit of sin, and then we can stop. <laughs> Wrong. We might, we might have a problem for one person, may not be a problem for another, so we're all different here. Know yourself. Know your weaknesses. Know your tendencies. Well, I'll give in just a little bit and then no more. One of my weaknesses is chips, <laughs> a bag of chips. So I don't buy those big, tall bags of chips anymore. I buy the 18 little bags of chips, and I get one bag of chips out and eat it with my meal, and when those bag of chips is over, they're done, and I can't keep eating chips anymore. Because I know... Yeah, that's not a big thing, but it's just an illustration. Know yourself, and then protect yourself, and then set limits. Third, isolate sinful deeds. Sin thrives when it's with its allies. Here's a concept with which I, uh, I want to remind us that sinful anger melts away when we avoid other angry people and spend time with kind and loving people. Lust is greatly weakened when we are not tired and emotionally needy and lonely and filled with shame. Diet and exercise and sleep, they all contribute to helping us be more strong and healthy so that we can isolate sin from sinfulness. And then there's one more that I think is the most helpful to me overwhelm sinful deeds with devotion to God. Overwhelm sinful deeds with devotion to God. Here we only need to remember Paul's first principle, meditate on the newness of our relationship with Jesus. We are so full of Jesus and so full of his joy and so excited about our relationship with him, we won't want to dabble in things that will harm our new life. So protect your new life. That's not just an easy formula, it's a strategy. Imply the strategy in your life. So meditate on what's new, protect what's new. Third word, renew. Renew. That's found in verse 10. Submit to the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Paul says. You have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. See, the new self that we put on and began living the moment we became a Christian, this new life that we want to protect is new, but it's young. 
God gives us a new heart, but it's a young heart. And it's being renewed as we fill our minds with the truth of the knowledge that has been re- re- that we have been recreated in the image of our Creator. And it's constantly in process. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Again, in Titus chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says, God saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and by renewing of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit not only gives us salvation, but the Holy Spirit renews us in our lives. He continues our process of Christian growth. He doesn't say to us, okay, uh, Scott's saved, now go for it. I'm all done with him. <laughs> no, he saved Scott, gave him a new life, gave him a new heart, and then began to renew me step by step by step. This verb, renew, is all in the continuous passive Tense. Now, if you're not into grammar, that's what this means. It means that there's an action that continues. It never stops. The renewal never stops. It's in that tense. Uh, anytime Paul says in these verses we've been talking about Colossians and 2 Corinthians and Titus, it's got continuous. Paul is renewing. But it's all in the passive tense, which means we don't do the renewing. The renewing is done in us. It is not performed by us. Rather, it is performed in us, and that's by the Holy Spirit. Remember the concept of joyful repentance? It means that if we find ourselves going in the wrong direction, going in a sinful direction, following after the deeds of the sinful flesh, and God reveals it to us, we stop, and then what do we do? We present ourselves to God. And that's when we say, Holy Spirit, I'm in going in the wrong direction here. Will you please renew me? Will you please work in me so that I can change everything in that direction I'm going now and go in a renewed new direction? That step we are present ourselves to God is the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And he does it for us, and then he does it in us. And here's the question. How many times can we come to him and get renewed? (laughs) As often as you need to. I was telling a good friend the other day, there was a day last week, I spent the whole day in repentance. I mean, I don't think there was 15 minutes when I didn't go, oh, Lord, I'm I'm so sorry. Please renew me. The whole day. And at the end of the day, it would have been real easy for me to say, man, I had a really bad day. But you know what the truth is? I had a really great day because I was repenting all day. I was in communion with the Holy Spirit all day. 
I was being renewed all day. And when I went to bed, I knew God was saying to me, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been renewing all day. See, the law has lost its grip on us when we live that way. We're not under law, we're under grace. And the grace of God says, well done. You've been renewing all day. Well, meditate on what's new. Protect what's new. Renew your character all day. There's one more. It's found in verse 11. And that word is together. Nurture fellowship with other believers in Jesus. Verse 11. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. See, the truth that we as individuals have been made new is absolutely fundamental, but there's something else that's been made new. And that is our community. We live in a new community. This is the corporate recreation of humanity in the image of its creator, the Bible says. We experience Jesus together. Look at the first word of verse 11. Here. Where? Here. Well, where is here? Here. Where's that? In church. When we get together here, we're together here. See, the common bond of peace, one Lord, one body, one faith, we are all in this same battle. No one is more prone to sin than someone else. The good news is that Christ is all and is equally in all. Consequently, we can fight the battle together. Paul says it really well in 2 Timothy 2.22 when he says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We do it together. So this is the strategy. This is how we loosen the grip of sinful indulgence in our lives. Not by law, but by focusing on new. Protect, renew, and together. You see, that's relationship. Jesus said to us, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself It must remain in that vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, that's the relationship, you will bear much fruit. You will not be overcome with sinful indulgence. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. And the implication is, in me, you can be free. Well, I'm going to offer a midweek Bible study this week. 
which offers us an illustration that we might be able to think about as we seek to apply the truths of this passage. This passage has a lot of theological stuff in it. Uh, Wednesday, tune in with us, and I'm going to give us a practical illustration that might help us apply these truths to our lives. Meanwhile, just remember, the closer and more intimate our relationship with Jesus, the less sinful indulgence will grip our lives. God bless. Talk to you Wednesday.